All right, everybody, welcome into the Hardly Knowledgeable Podcast. I'm joined again by my partner and co-host, Drew Schoenberger. Welcome, Drew. Hello, hello. Um, we're going to go ahead and jump right into it and talk about Kansas State basketball. I don't know if you know this or if you've been living under a rock, but Kansas State Fire, sorry, ex-Kansas State head basketball coach Bruce Weber uh, resigned uh, from his position as the head men's basketball coach at Kansas State University. A coaching search ensued uh, where it looked for a minute like we were going to get Brad Underwood, but, you know, that never ended up working. And uh, Jerome Tang hired a long-time 19-year uh, assistant under Scott Drew. Uh, I think this is a great hire. Uh, Drew, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think it's really good. Um you know, I think if someone's been at a program like Baylor <clears throat> that, you know, didn't used to have a lot of success before Scott Drew got there and over time got to have success and that he apparently turned, like according to reports that he turned down other Power 5 jobs, whether that was this year or in years past, I think that that's a good sign for K-State. Seems like he's dialed in, seems like he's doing a good job getting the fan support so far and as far as it relates to Brad, I don't know if, you know, Brad's established, but I don't think it's crazy to think that Jerome Tang could be just as good of a coach, if not better than Brad at um, some point. So here's the thing, couple couple of notes that I got from that. Uh, Baylor basketball before Scott Drew took over was not only did they not have a lot of success, uh, but uh, it was probably one of the worst situations a coach could step into um, in, in NCAA history. Uh, there was a murder. Uh, I think I haven't read up on this, but apparently there was a murder, like somebody in the program killed somebody and it was, it was pretty bad, uh, pretty bad situation to step into and nobody, it, it was an untouchable uh, job at the time. And, Scott Drew stepped in, brought his culture of joy, uh, Jesus, um, others, uh, yourself. So love Jesus, love others, love yourself. That was his culture of joy. Uh, so Scott Drew or Scott Drew showed up with that. Jerome Tang was not originally uh, uh, the associate head coach, but he took over about five years ago. Uh, and if you think about it, when did Baylor start? You know, kicking off. Uh, being going from a pretty good program to an elite program is about the time you know Jerome Chang stepped up and and took took that job. I mean, we could say that was you know thanks to Jerome, but uh, obviously Scott Drew uh, is there, and uh, so a lot of the credit to the rebuild can go to to Jerome. He's an excellent recruiter, very spiritual uh, man. He was a youth pastor at one point in time. So he knows how to relate to kids, knows how to relate to the parents. He showed up. Uh, he said everything right uh, to get K-State fans on board. He is the first coach, I think, to address Bramlage Coliseum as the octagon of doom and say he wants to bring it back, say he wants uh, w- one of the toughest, if not the toughest, home court atmospheres in college basketball in the country, which at one point in time it, it was up there because – they used to defend it like a fortress uh, and bar- rarely, rarely ever lost uh, in the octagon. And that's kind of lost its luster a little bit. But uh, if he can bring it back, uh, that's pretty excited. He's united the fan base in a way that I haven't seen be united uh, in a while. Um, <clears throat> I-, I think even under when Chris Kleiman was hired, it was pretty controversial. But everybody got on board a few weeks into his tenure. And uh, Jerome Tang, everybody was on board. 
they know what Baylor basketball is and they know what it can be or what it has been. And then when he records his in, opening uh, message to the students and he's flashing the national championship ring that he's that he earned a couple years back at Baylor uh, that excited a lot of people and great recruiter great recruiter uh, I will say uh, this the deal they put him on is a six-year deal uh, starting out at 2.1 million dollars uh, this this next year and then it's going to raise a hundred thousand uh, dollars each year after that uh, Bruce Weber was making 2.8, so there's a little bit more money there. Uh, we saved a lot of money not having to buy out Brad's uh, contract, mm-hmm. and they had the money to do it. They had a deal that was very lucrative for Brad, a more than fair deal that he turned down. But So if they can raise that kind of money, I, I don't see them uh, not using, you know, not continuing to raise it for Jerome's staff. Uh, some Some of the words we – have been hearing from the rivals and 247 uh, sports networks are saying that his staff, uh, he's going to make some pretty big swings, get some big name staffers in here from other schools that definitely want to keep him. Uh, he's going to recruit really well. Marquise Noel's bought in. Uh, Nigel, Ta- Nigel Pack is apparently not bought in, but uh, if they're going to do a rebuild, they've got one scholarship to offer. So I think we're going to see some players enter the transfer portal because I don't think, I mean, obviously the team wasn't good enough uh, this year because they didn't make a tournament. So if if you want more players to help turn it around in one year, uh, you're going to have some of these players, you're going to see some of them start to enter the transfer portal. So uh, we'll see about that. Uh, I'm very excited. He's a passionate guy. Um, he's going to do really well, I think. Uh, and I think we're going to be, it's going to be pretty immediate, a pretty immediate impact. I don't think it's unreasonable to see him making the NCAA tournament next year and then continuing an upward track from there. It's very important right now. This hire was very important for K-State to make because Bill Self's turning 60. Uh, Bill Self has been at Kansas for a while now. And, you know, there might be a time for him to hang up, uh, hang up the whistle so to say and uh i think that kansas was starting to have a little bit of issues under roy william towards the end of his tenure and bill self kind of showed up and uh righted the ship i mean not like major issues but they they were they were showing the cracks were showing bill self showed up and righted the ship and i think that bill self is kansas basketball but if kansas state can put themselves in a great position um, with the right guy at the helm when Bill Self decides to retire or leave or take an NBA job, I don't know, uh, they can become much more competitive uh, with the blue blood in the state. And with the willingness of the donors to spend the money they spent, Kansas State wants good basketball. And Kansas State's willing to spend for good basketball, so I see no doubt that they're uh, going to financially invest in in this coach, his staff, and what they want to do and what they need. I think I, I listened to a podcast. Uh, you look at what Gene did uh, with the two guys he hired. He hired Pete Hughes, and then within the first year, Pete Hughes getting hired. Toynton got upgrades. The indoor their indoor got upgrades. Their whole facility, all their facilities got upgrades. Uh, then he hired Chris Kleiman, and they're getting facility upgrades. Uh, so I think that that will come. Uh, with Jerome Tang as well, because Gene Taylor wants to show that he will invest in his guys, uh, so to say. Um, uh, another another thing I have from that is, you know, they didn't pay him a lot. 
uh, to start off. I mean, $2.1 million isn't too much. And then the buyout's relatively low, around $7 million. Uh, since you, you can't justify a large buyout for a guy that isn't getting paid a lot. But we saw that with Chris Kleiman, too. He signed a relatively small deal. But after year one, he negotiated a six-year, $24 million contract that's going to pay him about $4 million a year. I think we'll see that, too. A show-me-prove-it year for Jerome Tang. Uh, if he makes the NCAA tournament, I think we'll see a pretty hefty contract come his way. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm super excited about it. I think they got the right guy. Uh, obviously, you wanted Brad, but you know, I, he kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. I don't know how much you've heard about this, Drew, but K State or Brad Underwood reached out to K State first in the middle of the season when it kind of looked like the job would come open. Uh, he reached out to K State. Um, they put the money together, and within 24 hours, they had what Brad Underwood wanted to leave Illinois, and then he turned it down. And then they came with a deal that was extremely lucrative, is all I've been he- hearing it be called. Is It was an extremely lucrative deal for Brad, and he turned it down. So at that point in time, Kansas State needed to move on, and they needed to get a guy. Time wasn't on their side. So they did that. They moved on. They got a guy, and I think he's going to make an immediate impact, and I think that Bramlage is going to be rocking. Ticket sales are going to be up, and people will be back in the octagon. So that's, that's – I will, I will say that, you know, it seemed like, you know, just seeing K-State fans on Twitter and what we had talked about a few times when, you know, midseason we were talking about Bruce getting fired and who would want to replace him that Brad, it's like, you know, it's Brad or bust. You know, if you can get Brad, that's great. And then if you can't get him, then you got to really dig in. But it seems like Jerome Tang's like a really good choice. And, you know, I've heard a lot of like national media people say how good of a hire this is. And, you know, you just don't, at least I haven't typically seen like with K-State football or basketball, like them get a ton of like national media people just talking about them. So I think that is definitely a good sign. And, you know, Brad's proven and Jerome Tang's not, but I definitely think that Jerome could get up, could get there. And, you know, kind of looking back, uh, Brad Underwood is a top 10 paid basketball coach in the country right now, you know, in the United Mm -hmm. States, top 10. And he hasn't made it past around a 32 at Illinois. Uh, He got an extension last year, then another extension this year, heading into this year, Uh, lost in the round of 32, lost in the round of 32 last year. Uh, didn't win the Big Ten tournament this year, nope. so <clears throat> I uh, I don't know. I think it's going to be great to see if Jerome Tang what he can do. I think his upside is higher than Brad, um, but his floor is a lot lower because we don't know. He's never been a head coach before, so we don't know kind of what he's able to do yet. You know, yeah. so he might. Which, he, he it might is hard. Out. It is hard to win in the tournament, but I wouldn't. You know, like, it's not like Brad is one of these top, like, top-tier coaches that if you win, like, if you bring him in, it's just, like, an automatic, like, we're great now. Like, it, you know, he'd still have to do his job and whatnot. But also, one thing I wanted to add, so a couple former Baylor assistants that have become head coaches somewhat recently, Grant McCaslin, he's – I didn't realize he was a Baylor assistant until I saw something today. But he was a Baylor assistant. Mm-hmm. somewhat recently he's a north texas coach and he's doing a great job there they win a lot of games down there and then i forgot his name but oral roberts head coach 
they, you know, they made the Sweet 16 last year as a 15 seed, and they they won a lot of games this year. Did make the tournament, kind of like North Texas, but. I think those are two guys that are running good programs. Now, Jerome Tang, obviously, he's starting out at a higher job than North Texas and Oral Roberts, but those are still – I think yeah. that, like, the fact that the other assistants have had success, I think that bodes well for Jerome Tang. Like, he's mm-hmm. also probably learned a thing or two from those guys and not just Scott Drew. Yeah, that's definitely true. And McCaslin's <laughs> younger than him. So this kind of reminds you a little bit of a Brent Venable situation where he just kind of waited to take the job that he wanted. Uh, You know, he's turned down some other head coaching jobs, and this is the job he wanted. Uh, However, I feel different about this hire than the Brent Venables hire uh, at at Norman. But I think, you know, he's a guy – another argument that, that went against him was we get him and then he makes a name for himself and jumps. Uh, but they thought that Brad would be a lifer. Uh, One thing I would like to say is he's been with Scott Drew for 19 years. Uh, He's a loyal guy, and he wanted to make something for himself, and he chose here to do it. Um, uh, And I I don't think that he would use this as a springboard to go somewhere else. I mean, obviously that's there. Like, let's say Scott Drew leaves or retires at Baylor, and Jerome's still coaching. Uh, I'm sure that then K-State would probably be a little bit nervous about Jerome Tang leaving, but I think, uh, I think, I think he's here for a while. And, you know, I think it was also naive to think that Brad Underwood would just come here and be a lifer here. If you look at kind of the way it's been, he got his job at Oklahoma state uh, out of, from Stephen F. Austin an earned job by the way. And then he uh, went to the NCAA tournament. Uh, and there was a lot of promise shown there by Brad and uh, a potential for a pretty a juggernaut of a Big 12 program. And then the day after he lost in the Big 12 tournament after his first year, he's on a jet going to Champaign. So th- there's no reason to think Brad would come here and stay here, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I would I like. Have, I have thought about that. Like, you know, because some coaches and other sports might like think of a job and be like, oh, I'm going to coach here and do good, and then I'm going to jump to wherever. But if you look at, like, all the, like, you know, because I think you'd always think, like, the Blue Bloods, you know, who would jump, like, who can make the jump to one of those schools? Like, I remember when Roy Williams retired, it was like, oh, who's going to make the jump? Like, is, like, they and they just brought in Hubert Davis, but it was like, are they going to, like, there's talk like Nate Oates at Alabama, who I think is a good coach. Like, maybe he would go to North Carolina and then, you know. But, like, UCLA, like, they have a really good coach. They're not going to open. Kentucky, I wouldn't think would open unless Calipari goes to the NBA. Duke's got their next guy. You know, well, I would like to think that Bill Self's still got a long time at KU, but I don't think that Jerome Tang would jump from K-State to KU if hypothetically that opened up at some point. And then, like, Villanova, like, Jay Wright's got to be there forever. Like, I don't know what the job would be that he would jump from K-State for. Yeah, I mean, maybe Baylor down the line if Scott Yeah, that, that maybe be the one just because he, you know, that's where he was for so long. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't – I think know, that's I a long way in the future. Plus, he's 55. He's a little bit older uh, than some of these other coaches like Mizzou hiring Cleveland State's head coach. Um, he's a young guy, you know. Uh, so I don't know if he's really – I mean, it's not like his career is nearing an end in Jerome Tang, but also I don't know if he's in the position to just jump, 
you know, use this as a jumping spot and going to a bigger and better place, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, if a blue blood opens up, like maybe he'd be a choice, but. And if a blue blood opens up and he takes it, I don't blame him. Uh, No hard feelings here from this case stater, but you know, I'm very excited uh, for the way it's going. They're going to have an open, open to the public press conference on Thursday at, at noon, and I kind of want to go to it. Where's it at? Uh, it's in the Shamrock Zone, but they'll have overflow seating in Bramlage. Gotcha. But it won't. I won't have time to go there. So, But, <clears throat> you know, looking forward to what Jerome Tang has in store, looking forward to this next season of K-State Sports, it's going to be exciting. Atmospheres are going to be electric. I've made it very clear that I think Kansas State is a dark horse contender to win a Big 12 title. I've gone as far as saying that they will win the Big 12 this next year, but um, that remains to be seen. But I am pumped for next year's Kansas State um, athletics. I mean, the women's team, they're all young. Uh, They've got the most dominant big person in in women's basketball coming back uh and they're all young and talented and i think they'll be good next year i think the men's team will be good next year football is going to be good next year and baseball is turning it on this year so i think that bright future uh, ahead for kansas state sports and i mean you got uh bill self saying uh, it's a great day to be a wildcat um all stuff like that so <laughs> Yeah, if you cut out the press conference video in the one spot, he does say that. He said, "Well, they did. They did say they. They already have that. Have you not seen the video on Twitter?" No. Oh, I, oh, I saw it. Oh yeah, they trimmed <laughs> it down. They trimmed it down. I, I, if you look at the whole quote though, I am a big fan of Jerome Tang ignoring Bill Self's calls already. I'm a fan of that <laughs> for sure. So, <laughs> and if the Godfather of Kansas basketball says Kansas State made a great hire, I'm all for it. So. I wonder if I wonder if Bill ever called Bruce like once, like those two didn't like each other. I know it's just the and, the whole thing. Whenever Bruce uh, had his little rant after you know the day before he resigned, mm-hmm. and you know he made some comments which I didn't care about. I thought it was kind of funny, and then yeah. like people thought that like Bill Self was gonna like clap back at him but like bill self's never gonna do that like i don't remember what he said the next day but he was like yeah i'd hate to see him go you know he had some good teams and wish him well but i don't know i thought it was like an awkward interaction because like the next day after ku beat west virginia like no one wanted to ask him about the game other than bob huggins getting ejected they were just like so uh, i don't know if you heard but bruce is gone how about that like what do you what do you want bill self to say yeah screw like, him you know i kicked his ass <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. but <laughs> yeah i don't know but yeah it um <clears throat> yeah it i'm looking i think it's going to be a great year to be a wildcat fan and um you know we've talked about the upward tra- trajectory of the kansas football team and you know the kansas basketball team is what it is so i think if you're a, a sports fan in the state of kansas and you like either of those two colleges then I think it's going to be a fantastic year for both, for both, uh, for both fan bases. Yeah, should be, should be a lot of fun. I always, you know, even before I came to K State, like I always thought that, like when, you know, there were several years where 
you know, KU and K-State were maybe the two best teams in the conference in basketball. And, like, the games, but especially at Bramblage, I feel like those games were always, like, top tier. Like, probably, like, some of the best games in, like, of the whole season, to be honest. Like, yeah. And, and I, like, I remember there was one time when it was, like, Jacob Poland and Clemente and those guys. I think game day was at K-State. And I think KU won, but it was, like, it was an awesome, like, was it an overtime game? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I remember that one. But that was like an awesome game and like I I'm for it. Like I love mm-hmm. love stuff like that. So hopefully, you know, I'd like to keep you know, I don't want to lose to you guys, but you know, I'll you know, if you guys got a good team and we lose, you know. Hey, that's I'm, your alma mater you're calling okay you guys. That. That's okay. your alma mater you're calling you I guys. I know, I know. I'm just you know <laughs> I'm just but hey man, I'm for it. It should be it should be a lot of fun and you know I'll I'm sure I'll get some cheap alumni season tickets. So it'd be fun to go to some, go to some fun games. Mm-hmm. Hey, so. you know, you're a big shot accountant now. You could probably get some basketball season tickets too and go to all those. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, I'll get the football ones too, but or I don't know how it, I don't know if they have the recent, they probably do. They probably have the recent alumni basketball season tickets too, but uh, you know, you're big shot now. So you can, you can Let's, you can spring for some seats and donate to the Ahern Fund. You know you, you you're only supporting yourself. So yeah, yeah. No kids to it'll support. be it'll be that way for a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh so, man! Yeah, man. Telling people, telling the public what I do for a living—that's not good. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to not, the no, two I'm, people no, that <laughs> that listen to this that don't know Drew's profession. He's a he's an accountant. Uh, Pretty sure commits, Marty. Pretty sure Marty already knows. Oh no, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so all right, well, moving on from my increased optimism about Kansas State sports, we're going to talk about the Big Twelve teams that are still playing in the NCAA tournament. You've got uh, three: uh, Texas Tech, uh, Kansas, and Iowa State. TCU and Texas both lost in the second round. Uh, so did Baylor; they were upset uh, in the second round bunch of frauds well jerome tang's mind was elsewhere so (laughs) (laughs) so uh, so but texas tech uh, who do they play they play the five seed houston correct nope they play duke okay that'll be that'll be a fun one mark adams team you know playing so since texas lost we we're claiming houston as a big 12 team right yes we are so we've got four teams left let's go baby you know so houston uh they're gonna play they play arizona arizona they're gonna play arizona so that should be actually a pretty good game houston's playing really good basketball should have been an all big 12 game against tcu but you know he that was a foul at the NTC. So you should have been two, shooting two, three. Four, I really three. hate blaming games on officials, but like, come on, like those refs are so bad. Was obvious, right there. I, like, think. I was rooting for TCU, but it wasn't like I'm a fan of TCU, and if TCU doesn't win, I'm going to blame the refs regardless. Like the refs were in overtime. Awful. Like the dude, they held the ball together for two seconds straight with uh, Benedict Matherin on Arizona. Mm-hmm. Freaking shouldn't stuff. have been foul shots. And then he goes up and he just like kicks his legs out and it's like, Oh, he got hit. So it's a foul. And then that's what, yeah, Yeah. that's what the flop rules there for. Uh, Then last possession TCU, that, that kid gets fouled, uh, loses the ball. Which the the thing was, was like, if it wasn't a foul, it was definitely backcourt. And they were just like, and I don't know if you saw, but there was a video where 
but game clock, you can see it on the broadcast. It actually it stops stopped. for half a second. Yeah. Now, luckily, the dude for Arizona was dumb and dunked it, and we at least got overtime. But it was like that should have been a foul, or it should have been back court, and that never should have been a. I don't know. I'm so yeah, mad was... about that one because I I picked TCU to win, and I was feeling like a genius for a while, and then. Ugh. Well, my national champion is still in the mix, though, so that's the only positive. But Eddie's gone. You know, you're saying you were rooting for TCU, but I was rooting for Eddie. Uh, I love Eddie, man. I did, gotta love Eddie. I mean, if you don't love Eddie, then I, I, I question your humanity and your morality, really. That dude plays – I'm all for a really big guy that plays hard. I'm all for he it. He plays hard for about three minutes. Uh, then he goes off for a little bit. I mean, he was playing hurt, too. Like, he got hurt. He yeah. was He was hustling. That TCU now, squad was beat up. Now I wish they could bleeding all over the floor. And now if they could have boxed out Coloco, they'd be playing on Thursday. But you know, well, dominance really. I mean, watch what happens if Kansas has to have a meet up with Arizona. It won't end well. No, it won't. Uh, <laughs> no, I. Yeah, I'm, you, I'm. I do not want to. I don't want to play them, and I don't want to play against Aga. Give me anybody else. <laughs> we'll find out against. Uh, well, who is your this, champion? Uh, Arizona your champion. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll we'll find out this Friday if Drew will take anybody else when the Kansas Jayhawks uh, take on the Providence Friars. Real quick, Texas Tech, uh, Texas Tech, Duke. Who you got? Texas Tech. Texas Tech. I'll take I'll take the Raiders as well. I think. Uh, so, quick quick analysis here by me. You know, Duke is definitely the more talented team. They have like four first round draft picks, but if Duke, you know, if talent was gonna prevail, then they would have like been more been a more dominant team this year like they struggled with Michigan State you know they didn't win the ACC tournament like they've lost some bad games this year and Texas Tech's really tough I think their average age on the team is like 22 so I think you know having the older team should prevail in this one yeah I think so too and it'll be good to see Coach K not make an Elite Eight you know Mark Adams well-deserved Coach K's retirement tour come to an end Man, if Mark Adams ends it, that's going to be great. Yeah, that's what we're picking here on the Hardly Knowledgeable Podcast. Mark Adams ends Coach K's retirement tour. All right, moving on to the Kansas Jayhawks, who again play the Providence Friars this Friday. Uh, Providence, a really gritty team this year, played the two-seed Villanova very tough uh, twice, uh, two times. Mm -hmm. Lost to them both, but they played them tough. Gritty team, first-year head coach. What are you thinking in that one, Drew? I don't think he's a first-year head coach, but I could be wrong. Yeah, he's new there. Are you sure? Uh, I'm pretty sure. I thought he had been there. Anyway, Ed Cooley, great coach. I think he's been there. Anyway, I, you know, I I do like somewhat that KU got tested last round. I wish that it wasn't a one-point game with a minute left before Ochai Baji got stealing a dunk to kind of seal it. But I like that we got tested. I don't really think – like there's a reason why Providence lost like five, only five games this year and that they're a four seed. You know, I think that in the big East, they had some COVID games that got canceled, not their fault, but like Villanova was the only top tier team in the big East that they played. They lost both games. They were close, but they've also, when they lose, it's a blowout and they've won a lot of close games. So, you know, winning close games is a testament to good coaching and Ed Cooley's a really good coach, but I there for about 11 years, like I said, He's been there 11 years. Yep, 2011 when he was hired. Man. Like I said, I said. I didn't think it was that long. For, he, I said he's been there for 11 years. 
Okay. So, <laughs> jeez. Yeah, you got that one right. Um, yeah, I did. Yeah, I so, did. So, you know, Providence, think like when, you, when you're playing them, like it's either going to be a really close game or if they're going to lose, they're going to lose by a lot unless it's Villanova. Like if you look at the games they've lost, like I know they lost to Marquette by like 30. A Marquette team that me and you saw play in person and they weren't that great. Did you know Jacob had them in his final four? <laughs> so I actually had him beating Carolina, but I mean, geez. Anyway, I've been on the Tar Heels since day one. So listen, the Tar Heels say that. are are good. I just I saw everybody was picking them to win and then beat Baylor, and I was like, okay. Well, everybody's right and Drew's wrong. Correct. In this I'm instance, used to that. I'm used to that by now, though. So. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I think that this game, it goes one or two ways. Like, they play KU really tough. They have a bunch of seniors. They have some guys that can shoot. They have some guys that can score. They – I would – I think that they'll – they can make things tough on our offense. But I could also see if things get out of hand early, it might just be over. Like, I know in the Big East tournament, the Creighton team that KU just beat, beat Providence by, like, 30. So, I know that that's not – you know, associative property wins are not real wins, but I could see I could see it getting out of hand, but I could also see it being really close. Um, obviously, I think KU will win, but I don't know. Providence just hasn't really beaten any like top tier teams all year, so I don't know if they could get it done now. But we'll uh, we'll see. You got to take. Mm. On the game? I, th- I think Kansas is going to win, but, I mean, I think it's going to be a five-point game. Either way, Kansas will probably win by five. Fraudulent. This is a fraudulent Final Four run. They don't have to play anybody until they make it to the Final Four. It's frauds. They're frauds at the end of this. I just want that to be made known. Who do they got waiting in the Final Four? Miami or who? Miami or who? Iowa State. Yeah, a 10 and 11. They got a 10 or an 11 seed waiting for them in the Final Four. They're playing a four seed. A I feel freaking like, four seed. I mean, that's who you're supposed to be playing in this game. Okay. That's who you're supposed to be playing in this game. Sure, okay. They're playing it, the four seed in the game. Congrats. Who would you rather us play, the five that, seed? That's who they're supposed to be. Yeah, I'd rather you play Iowa. Yeah, they I lost, would. They, they should have lost to Richmond. <laughs> I know they shouldn't have lost to Richmond. All I'm saying is there was not a threat in KU's Midwestern bracket from day one. There wasn't a threat. Wait, did you <sighs> pick Iowa to beat them, though? Yeah, I did, because I didn't want them to go to the Final Four, because I hate them. So, I'm I'm with you, but I feel like this happens about every year. Like you know, bracket plays out a certain way. Like look at yeah, Purdue. But, look at but who I Purdue's sit here. I. <laughs> You're really going to talk about the Peacocks like that? Listen, I'm just You're saying. Really come after hey, the greatest 15 wait. seed with a mustache in the history of basketball. Hey, I'm not arguing with that. They are the greatest 15 seed of all time. Uh, Florida Gulf Coast might be better. No, 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 no. No shot. Kidding me? Peacocks, dude. Peacocks, baby. I'm just saying, you know, 15 seeds, I just tend to run out of gas in this round. Mm. Anyway. But, you know, KU a lot of times hasn't – You know, normally they get a tough region this time. I do agree that the Midwest played out to be quite a bit easier. The but, weakest region in the bracket. But, I mean, whoever wins that Miami-Iowa State game, which we can get to since that involves a Big 12 team, whoever wins that game is playing – good basketball and you know 
team just won three games against a good team. So I don't, don't do think, that. Don't, don't think that's going to be. Don't sit here and make a case for the 10-11 seed to be one of the toughest 10-11 seeds in tournament history. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that those teams are playing better than their seed. I'm just saying after – Like Miami to, destroyed Auburn. Auburn listen, hasn't been like that all year. Listening to all the Kansas fans when Kansas State made their Elite Eight run saying it was Cupcake Elite Eight run because we avoided the number one overall seed, I would like to say that this is a Cupcake Final Four run because they haven't played anybody. But whose fault was it that Virginia lost? It's Virginia's fault. Yeah, it was Virginia's fault. fault. Yeah, but I'm just saying KU fans were annoying after that. Not this KU fan. Not that K, not you, but I'm going to be that the, that K-State fan, Okay. Okay. Gonna well, be that K State fan. Okay, that's fine. I'm just making the case. So, so. Rock Chalk, you know, <clears throat> Providence has had a great year. I think they've overachieved for sure. But I think it ends here. But Yeah, well Okay, well consistent consensus from the podcast. Uh, Kansas, if they win a national title, there's going to be an asterisk next to it. Moving whoa, on to whoa, Iowa whoa, State. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's consensus. Moving on to Iowa State. Whoa, the there's nothing seed, consensus about it. The <laughs> consensus, the votes have been counted 2-0 in favor of the asterisk next to the national championship if Kansas wins it. <laughs> Moving on to Iowa State. They're playing number 10 Miami, the Hurricanes, who, like you said, just destroyed Providence and Iowa State won a game against uh, won a game against Wisconsin in quite the fashion we thought they would. Um, ugly, ugly, ugly. Did you see what Wisconsin shot from three that game? No. One for twenty two. Yeah, that sounds about right. Not that what sounds you want. about right. That's what that's what Iowa State fans wanted. That's what we expected the uh, Texas Tech Iowa State game to be. And, and uh, recent. Uh, Recent polls from the city of Milwaukee, they ran out of bush and natural light uh, it, over the course of the time that Iowa State fans and Wisconsin fans were in the city. So <clears throat> they're playing the Miami Hurricanes out of the ACC, who some in this com- who some in this podcast has called a very weak conference, even though, you know, they, they, have, more, they have more teams in the Sweet 16 than the Big Ten and the SEC, so... Well, first and, off, we, we know the Big Ten is fraudulent. It happens and so every is, year. so is the Southeastern Conference this year, for sure. By the way, if we're talking worst two-seed ever, it's Kentucky. I mean, it's, mm. not, even, it's not, even, not even close. Mm. Didn't Michigan State lose to Middle Tennessee that one year? <sighs> Who then turned around and got bounced? Yeah, but, I mean, Kentucky, man, like you're, you're a two-seed and you have John Calipari and you're losing to, mm-hmm. losing to a 15. I mean, They're a young that? team. They're a young team. They haven't, except, they except haven't played not. in the NCAA tournament. They're not they ha- young, though. They haven't played in the NCAA <laughs> tournament. They weren't used to the stage. A lot of pressure. That was a lot of pressure on them. Well, that's, anyway, that's what comes when you're coaching Kentucky. You got pressure. I, Iowa State and Miami. Uh, this game can go one of two ways. Uh, Iowa State wins a slugfest 53-52, to 52, or Iowa State doesn't score 40 points and loses by 20. Uh, I'm going to go with the latter and say Miami is absolutely going to destroy the clones. Uh, that's just my opinion. Yeah. Um, I would like, like typically I wouldn't want to face a team, a, a big 12 team a third time in the tournament, but um, I actually thought that Miami can make a run at things here. I thought the, 
you know, I thought they could beat Auburn. I had them beat Auburn in my bracket, which was one of very few things I got right in my bracket. Um, but I think, yeah, I think Wisconsin wins this one going away. Maybe, I mean, did I say Wisconsin? Yes, you did. They're Miami. eliminated. Yeah, Miami. Sorry. I, you know, Miami's defense is actually not great. So I would guess that Iowa State would get above 40 or 50, but I think Miami's just playing really well right now. I think that what T.J. Otzelberger's done just to make the tournament alone and then to win two games is remarkable. But I think that, you know, I think sometimes when you see these, like, two double-digit seeds make it far and they match up, like, one of them flames out, I think Iowa State will flame out. I would guess Miami – I would predict Miami to win by double digits. But if Iowa State could pull one out, that would be great for great for them to be one of the final eight. It would be. But I don't think yeah. it'll happen. And you're one have you seen Cyclone Larry's header here? Let me pull it up real quick. Have you seen it? No, I don't think so. So apparently he tweeted um he tweeted when uh Otz was hired, his tweet was I'd rather extend prom than hire Otz. <laughs> and so now he's eating his words, and he put that out as as his header Man. picture. Like <laughs> he put that out his header picture. I think that's hilarious. I'm happy that he's eating his words, of course. Man, Steve Prom didn't end well for him there. Yeah, no, it did not. No, it did not. So, <clears throat> so yeah, so there's your Big Twelve tournaments. We we we've got. Uh, Texas and um, Texas and Tech and uh, Kansas uh, moving forward. Iowa State losing to Miami. Um, Providence uh, go Friars is where I'm going with. Even though if if they win, it won't be fraudulent. If Kansas wins, it'll be a fraud. We all agree on this podcast that that is frauds. Uh, go Cox Peacocks of Saint Peter's. That's that's who I'm riding with to all the way to the Final Four. They're going to the Final Four. Hey, I'll be rooting for them. I just don't think it might. I haven't watched them play. Around. I watched them play Kentucky for a little bit, and then um, I've, 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 you know, forgotten, forgotten about them. So, but <clears throat> yeah, um, Houston also Final Four, All Big Twelve Final Four. Uh, St. Peter's, Texas Tech, Kansas, and then Arizona, who will be added to the Big Twelve later on. Well, Houston and Arizona play each other. No, no, no. They'll be in the Final Four. Okay. They will be in the Final Four. So, all right. Well, that's all that we have for this podcast. Um, anything from you, Drew? Um, oh, wait one no, second. Nothing. Somebody better get the CDC on the phone. Kansas City has the fever. Uh, okay, a couple, couple things about that. Not about that specific thing. But the stadium. So, first off, I don't – like, if we move to downtown, like, I feel like you got to have the crown on the scoreboard and the fountains. You at least have to have the crown vision. There's no doubt in my mind. It's just – it's great. And the fountains are cool. Like, I – but also, if we're moving – if we're getting a new stadium, it's got to be a dome. Like, let's not – no. You can still like have all the same stuff in a dome, but make it a dome. Don't a dome it. has a bigger surface. It like you you need more space for a dome. So then get more space. I would like to iterate though that 
uh, the, those renderings were not done by the Royals. So I know. There, there's no truth to them, but I just would like, I think the ice after being in, you know, I went to the Texas Rangers stadium. That's a dome. I enjoyed it. And then, you know, I went to two football domes this year to watch K state play. And I think that if you're going to, I wouldn't just exclusively build a dome in the same place you have the stadium, but if you're going to move stadiums, you're going to build a new stadium. I just think if you're not building a dome, like, what are you doing? I think it's better. Don't got to worry about the elements that way. And you can still like retract a roof if it's nice. I just like domes. I think it takes away a certain aspect from it. You know, a certain atmosphere the dome does. I think it makes it feel more factory esque than, uh, normal normal stadiums. So, you know, you think of some of the greatest NFL venues. You've got Foxborough, Arrowhead, not domes. Um, college football, Happy Valley, you know, the big house. Um, well, yeah, college football shouldn't have domes. But no. Colleges shouldn't have domes. But I'm, no. I'm, I am, I'm a pro, pro sports domes guy. I, I will have to disagree with you. Uh, and the person that I went to the Rangers Royals games with uh, that person was saying how it wasn't the same in a dome because or the atmosphere wasn't good because it was in a dome, but I'm all argue, on board. I'm all on board with domes, but I would argue that the reason why it wasn't an electric atmosphere was because the fourth place in the central Royals were playing the last place in the East Rangers. Yep. I'm all on board with domes. I think domes are great. I think they keep noise in. I think they're very loud and they have all the potential in the world, but at least Um, keep the crown vision and the fountains. Yes. You like that. If you're not going to have a dome, I, I just do both. Like I, I like domes. There's no room for the crown vision. If you have a dome, I think there is. Oh, so pretty sure you could do it. But anyway, also I had like seen the idea floated out like a while back when, cause this idea was floated out, like to move it downtown was floated out like a, over a year ago. Mm. And they, the idea was that if you move, like if you tear down Kaufman and you move the stadium over there, then over by the chiefs, stadium or by arrowhead or gha field at arrowhead that you could have more like you could build like restaurants and bars down there and you know you could actually have like a whole experience instead of like only having the stadium there which i you know like get them a super bowl i don't think it has to happen but you know it'd be cool like like down in texas like you have the old globe life the new globe life and jerry world all in the same place and you have like all the bars and stuff and i think if kc had something like that that'd be pretty cool Here's what now, I think would happen. Now, you can't, now it'd be just Arrowhead, but that's that's fine. He, here's what I would think would happen though, if if the K moves, um, you, you, I think Arrowhead's getting torn down. I think the K's getting torn down. They're putting a nice shiny new dome there. Um, I mean, I don't know if you'd want to put Patrick Mahomes in a dome because the, the worst games in his career have come under a roof, but. Uh, I think it. Do you remember? Do you remember the origin of that? Like the first game. Oh yeah, we, it was against the Lions. Yeah, and then they said Patrick Mahomes in the dome. He's going to throw for like a thousand yards, and he had the worst game in his career. I remember I woke up and I saw something on my phone that was like, like daily fantasy, like DraftKings, like advice, and they were saying, "Oh, in all your contests, just play Mahomes, who's the most expensive." They're like Mahomes in a dome, Mahomes in a dome. He's going to go off, and he had no touchdowns. Oh yeah, 
Now, we won the game, but I was like, okay. It was Pretty sloppy. sure he's a snow game guy, as he said. He is a snow game guy. But they're going to build a nice, shiny new stadium. It's not going to be called Arrowhead anymore. It's going to be called GEHA Field or GEHA Stadium. Uh, they're going to put bars around at hotels. And guess what? Super Bowl in Kansas City. Are you kidding me? That'd be Are you shit. kidding me? That'd be a shit show. I'm no, it wouldn't. It. If they like, put, if they... No, I mean, like, it could happen. I just remember, like, when All-Star Weekend, I was in Kansas City whenever it was All-Star Weekend, and it was it was a mess. But if like, they how many put, people were there? <laughs> if they put hotels and all everything you would need around Arrowhead or around GEHA Stadium, um, then they wouldn't have to leave there, you know? They would go yeah. to Worlds of Fun, maybe. I just don't. I just don't think you need to like. Try to think. Like I don't. I just don't think you need to tear down the stadium. Like, I think I'm all for leaving Coffin the way it is. I'm just saying, like, if you're gonna move it, then you know, make it a dome, modernize it, do whatever, do whatever you gotta do. Yeah. But that's where I stand. <clears throat> all right. Well. Thank you all for listening to the Harley Knowledgeable Podcast. Uh, as I said, if Kansas wins, we all agree. Fraudulent. And nope. go Cats. Uh, thank you. Kansas right. is fraudulent.